Tonight I want to uh, talk about a, uh, two qualities that we can uh, utilize in our retreat practice, but also are so sustaining in our daily life practice. So two qualities that sustain us both in retreat practice and our home practice and the formal home practice and in living our life as practice, these two qualities. And we'll see how these two qualities also relate to the, uh, an, our understanding of equanimity as it was introduced so beautifully last night. But here when we look at equanimity, we'll be looking at it as a development process rather than a flow, but through deliberate cultivation, this equanimity. And this, these two qualities come from what are called the paramis, which is usually translated as perfection, but I, I'm just not comfortable with that word, the way that word resonates in so many American cultural ears. So I prefer attainments. And one reason I prefer attainments is they're not actually achievements there's something that evolve from the steadfastness of our practice. They evolve, they're beyond what we can achieve. There's some level of coming into being of which these paramis capture that, that, that are unfolding within themselves. We, the ego, did not achieve them. Our, like, I'm gonna get all of these uh, qualities. Uh, it doesn't work that way. It's, it's more showing up and letting the Dharma develop these qualities in us. And the paramis, there's, in our tradition, there's ten paramis, ten of these perfections or attainments, and they start with generosity. And by generosity, generosity of spirit, the generosity that would lead to uh, listening to another, showing kindness to another, not just some narrow definition of generosity. And then the second is morality, this virtue. And the third is renunciation. And the fourth is wisdom. And uh, there's many interpretations of how these lists, some say they're just all collected. Some say that, some teachers say that one helps the other and there's different interpretations of that. The one I prefer of, of, of these explanations I've been exposed to is that uh, that with generosity, when, when we also develop morality, we understand, we both understand what, uh, what will bring, uh, what is the right kind of, of, of generosity. And the generosity, that contentment also develops the morality because if we're content, it's far easier to have virtuous action than if we're restless and wanting. So we can, we can do it down and the one preceding, the one above. We're not studying this. This is the, towards the end of the retreat, not the beginning. And this would be a major segment of a retreat of, of, of a month long or all of a retreat of a 10-day retreat. So generosity beginning, then morality, then renunciation. And again, these are easily found, so you don't need to uh, worry about keeping track of them. Then wisdom, generosity, morality, renunciation, wisdom. 
And wisdom's like a key, and the two that I'll be focusing on tonight, I will refer um, numerous times to those two characteristics along with wisdom. Wisdom helps, you can see why wisdom would help us uh, understand what's true generosity and what really matters. It would, wisdom would help us with morality. Wisdom would help us with renunciation. Wisdom would see why renunciation is, is worth the investment, worth the giving up, and so forth. So wisdom's like a key here. And then energy. And then comes a patience or forbearance. And this is one of the two that we're going to be focusing on is the role of patience in our practice. The role of patience. Really understanding patience. Uh, being able to uh, treat our heart with patience and being able to use our heart qualities to have patience with all the things that arises in the mind. Doing that uh, to a large degree, but not solely through the Brahma-viharas. And then truthfulness, and then resolve, or what's also called determination, which has this fruit of persistence. And you will hear me refer to the persistence, this word persistence a lot, because uh, again, there's many interpretations of how this word is to be understood. Uh, It has to do with uh, this determining what are the wholesome qualities and then persisting in developing those wholesome qualities like with right effort in the Eightfold Path. And then, uh, then after this resolve or determination, loving kindness, and then equanimity. So here's yet another list that ends in equanimity. Very interesting. Very interesting. Maybe there's a lot more to be understood about equanimity than we first think. So, a little quote for you. This is from... Uh, uh, Henry Thoreau, who was a great American naturalist and uh, uh, a kind of contemplator himself, and um, uh, along with uh, Ralph Waldo Anderson, very interested in Eastern thought, one of the first leaders, thought leaders, to get interested in Eastern thought and Eastern understandings in this country. And he says, though I do not believe that a plant will spring up where no seed has been. Though I do not believe that a plant will spring up where no seed has been, I have great faith in a seed. To me, equally mysterious in its origin, convince me that you have a seed there and I am prepared to expect wonders. So it's very mysterious, the power of the seed as mysterious as though something came up without a seed. We'll see how this relates to our practice as towards the end of the talk. Once again, though I, I'm, just, I'm going to shorten it slightly. Though I, don't, though I do not believe that a plant will spring where no seed has been, I have great faith in a seed. Convince me that you have a seed there, and I am prepared to expect wonders. Wonders. Ah, this word, ah, that is... Um, uh, one of the things that, uh, one of the responses to insight at a certain point in the practice is, ah, really seeing the mystery and the, the interconnectedness of it all. So, in this regard, with patience, this uh, uh, Kanti or Kantipanya, this uh, uh, wise patience, 
it's a a patience that in in the negative to not be taken as it just be patient for what you want to occur because it's bound to occur sooner or later. It's not that kind of patience. It is a cultivated patience. It is a patience, an applied patience. It's a patience that would allow us to develop more patience, a kind of wholesome cycle of our interest exploration, inviting in of patience without attachment, without demand, without uh, a view of what is patience and without an evaluation, a judgment, or a comparison of how much patience you have. <laughs> Those are all um, uh, that kind of judging and comparing actually are uh, uh, counter indicators of patience. Patience is just accepting what is and being willing to be with it for the, patient, for the purpose uh, of, of further development in Dharma, the way patience is being used here. So this kind of patience or forbearance is, uh, uh, is the ability to stay present, to be with when there is mental uh, stress or mental pressure or a sense of limitation or frustration. So the patience to deal with both uh, mental states that are that are difficult, our, our minds not settling down, where where nothing's happening in our practice, or uh, that if if we've got too much exuberance because something happened that got us too excited, patience that way too. It's also the kind of patience that allows us to practice with physical ailments, uh, with certain limitations we have, maybe not being able to sit up, but the lying down is the way we need to practice. Or there's a, a physical pain in the body that makes it hard, that's distracting or exhausting. This patience allows us to be with what is in this way. It allows us to be with all the emotional responses that are going to come if they're going to come, of, of disappointment or defeat or confusion. Patience is this capacity of energetic endurance. There's an energetic to it. It's not like a, okay, I'm going to be patient now. There's an aliveness to it. There's a, something is summoned and that gets cultivated and becomes uh, more palpable to us where we come to know our patience. That we know that there is patience. We know that patience occurs in this body, this mind, and, and there's a feeling of it. We notice its presence and its absence, and we notice impatience versus patience. We, it's a felt sense. It's energetic. It's alive. Not, a, not an idea. Above all, above all, above all, not a should. Because if we're in the shoulds, we're not being patient already. I should be able to do this. I should do this now. There's, no, there's not patience in that, in that way. So um, this, this, this patience is allowing us to be what, with what is and not to grab hold of it, to let it go. As, as Dewey was saying last night, and as we've all said many times, but Dora really caught it last night with this feeling of, of just being able, the equanimity allows the same kind of thing. Again, we'll see the relationship between patience and, and um, equanimity. So, uh, in its mature form, 
patience is able to be with failure. It's able and willing to start over. We're patient. Okay. Not been with the breath. Start over. No need for commentary. No need for view and opinion. Just start over. That's patience. The Buddha said that patience is the highest virtue. Which is interesting that he refers to it as a virtue. Patience is the highest virtue. Patience is willing to be with what's unpleasant, unjust. It's, it's willing to be with what is restlessness. Uh, uh, and uh, it's willing to uh, be patient even with impatience. So there we are, impatient. Okay, my mind's restless and I'm very impatient. Oh, I'm going to bring the intention, my attitude towards this mind state of impatience is one of patience. Uh, This kind of patience, this kind of uh, willingness to bear, that relates to the first noble truth in that way, it's a kind of endurance, but it's not the kind of endurance that is this long suffering, oh, my life's been so hard, this is all so difficult, poor me. That is an attitude. It is not, it's not got that kind of attitude at all. It is imbued with all the other the paramis, all these other qualities of mind, heart that were in the list. So there's generosity there, there's sila virtue there, there's a relinquishing and a renunciation, and most of all it's imbued with wisdom as it's developing. And the more wisdom, the more patience, the wiser the patience, and so forth. Uh, the patience comes, works with the wisdom because wisdom knows what's the true priority. And therefore, it, it, the wisdom really supports the patience. But patience is that which endures. The wisdom is the knowing, but the patience is that energetic experience in mind and heart that endures, that, that is able to stay present. And it, uh, it has a kind of... Um, Willingness to be neutral about what is arising, even though it's not the preference. It's not a denial of the preference, but a neutrality about, okay, this is the way it is right now. I wouldn't have preferred this, but this is the way it is. I wouldn't have preferred this aspect of a childhood, but that's the childhood I had. I would not have preferred that accident to have happened when I was whatever age but that accident happened. It's willing to be patient with our own history, our own story, and not, uh, not uh, be caught in some sort of demanding of otherwise. Patient with an uncertain future, patient with not knowing how your commitment to two months or a month of sitting is gonna turn out, being patient with it all during the time, and patient afterwards with whatever that your perspective is of it, you're patient with whatever that perspective is, and on then into our daily life practice and our living the Dharma as practice, which you will hear more about another evening. Patience has a tolerance for cognitive dissonance, that we want this and we want this, or this is true and that's true, and they don't quite fit together. So like, well, why do I choose? This doesn't make any sense. We be patient until it gets resolved. So we may have ambivalence about something in our lives or about some, how to practice in a given moment. 
and we're patient with that ambivalence. We're just patient. That ground feeling, the ground, letting Mother Earth hold it in that way. Patience is a shift in attitude from what in an earlier talk or two I've referred to as resulting when we're not practicing but we're resulting, we're measuring everything and we're demanding results. Patience has a, a different attitude. Uh, the, 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 uh, uh, the wonderful monk Thomas Merton uh, this, uh, said it this way, do not depend on the hope of results. Do not depend on the hope of results. You may have to face the fact that your work will be apparently worthless and even achieve no result at all, if not perhaps results opposite what you expect. It's pretty straightforward dharma, isn't it? No attachment. Do not depend on the hope of results. You may have to face the fact that your work will be apparently worthless and even achieve no results at all, if not perhaps results opposite to what you expect. As you get used to this idea, you start more and more to concentrate not on the results, but on the value, the rightness, the truth of the work itself. That's a beautiful definition of wise intention. And wise intention in any moment is that seed that Thoreau was referring to. That seed being planted in every moment. You start more and more to concentrate not on the results but on the value, the rightness, the truth of the work itself. You gradually struggle less and less for an idea and more and more for specific people. It's a, a, a relatedness. This patience is related, related to ourselves and related to others. We practice for the benefit of all beings. And that is, that is uh, fuel for our, our practice. It's motivation. So now, uh, determination or this resolve, this, uh, this what I call persistence so often, is uh, also works with wisdom. Wisdom knows where we want to go, but it's determination that has the resolve to persist. So we're, we've, we've had a very poor day of practice, and we go sit down again. Poor by our view and opinion of practice. When in fact, sitting when it's difficult, we are developing two things, patience and persistence. So our understanding may be wrong from the beginning. But nonetheless, persistence is willing to start over. And it's willing to start where you are, as as Erin mentioned in her talk the other night. It's very important for a long time, uh, all I ever heard in my early days was being willing to start over. But gradually I came to understand for myself, and now we often refer to this, it's not just that we're willing to start over, but we're willing to start where we are. Oh, so restless mind is practicing the Dhamma. Oh, okay. We're patient with that and we're willing to do that. We're willing to start where we are. These are empowerments. They're empowerments. The more patient you become 
and the more persistent this capacity of, of determination, the more empowered you are in every situation in your life. Because if you get defeated, you just start again. If you get knocked off the path, you just start again. And about understanding something, an aspect of Dhamma, understanding something about yourself personally, psychologically, or in life, about how to do something in life, or how to communicate something to others. You get knocked off, you get thwarted, you get disappointed. You just start over. So the person that's disappointed is now starting over. It's turnaround from right there. Every time we come back to the breath, we're building this muscle of, of determination. Every time we sit with the, the difficulty of practice, we're building patience. And we start to see they're interweaving more and more. So this determination has in it the energy of commitment. There's a feeling of commitment. And the commitment, as referring back to Merton, the, 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 the commitment is as an end in itself, not because of the results. When we sit here, we are primarily expressing our values. This is, this is what's valuable. This is the aspiration that makes my life make sense. This seems worthwhile to spend my time. Because we all have to have some basis for determining how to spend our time. And whether we know it or not, we each have a pattern of strategies as to how we allocate our time. This is a very wise and wholesome uh, allocation of time, is to practice. And meeting life is practice in the same way. So this feeling of commitment is unswerving. I just start over, I start again, I, I start where I am, I'm willing to be with it the way it is. Again, wisdom helps us with this. And also the renunciation, because we have to renounce a lot of desires for comfort, desires to distract ourselves, as Eliot puts it, to distract ourselves from distraction by distraction, where we have these fantasies or these plans, or um, we evaluate our practice, or we evaluate the teachers, or we evaluate someone else, or we, in all these different ways, evaluate ourselves. We have a whole committee of inner critics that get to work on us, our self-improvement plans, or how we'll never get anywhere, whatever it may be. All of that uh, is, is uh, moved away from in this cultivation of patience and of, of determination. We know what we're about, not as a result, but as this is the expression of what I am about. This is essence, this is core. And then they, they work together in these interesting ways because uh, in my experience, patience softens and calms persistence. It is the yin to the yang of persistence. It's, it's soft, it's absorbing, patience is, it's comforting. Whereas that determination has got more of that push forward kind of energy. Patience also can really, that sense of, oh, being patient with this. And again, utilizing the Brahma Viharas, as many of you have reported, is, is the part, one of the ways that wise patience will help do this. It softens and protects the nervous system. What we do 
is challenging. It is not easy. And this idea, this cultivation of patience, and again with the Brahmaharas, it, it it softens, 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 softens into. It's been brought up by so many of us as we've offered our our uh, small pieces of of experience to you. This importance of softening into the experience. Patience does that. You would be patient with a child around a child having a difficult. So in that same way, patient with herself. And yet you've got to get the child's shoes on and get them to school or get them dressed or whatever it may be, get the diaper changed. Uh, so patience allows us to tolerate uh, how hard and slow sometimes spiritual growth is. There is patience that is external and patience that's internal. So uh, when we're being patient with others or with the conditions in the world, that's external patience. But that does not mean that we've learned to be patient with ourselves. And oftentimes we've not recognized that because we're so like, well, I'm really patient with a lot of people, so I must be a patient person. I must have this capacity just in general. But maybe not. Maybe as you sit there and review the way you have your internal language has been during the sit, maybe there's not been so much patience with yourself. And likewise, you can have patience with yourself, but not with others or with worldly conditions. And mindfulness reveals this to us. Mindfulness says, oh, this is the part of patience that I could more develop, that would round me out, that would give me more buoyancy, more, more absorption, more softening, more ability to once again come with determination. In my view, it is fine to be patiently impatient. That is, you're, you're impatient, but you're patient being impatient. But it's not so wise to be, to be impatiently patient. <laughs> because that impatiently patient doesn't really have a base. So you can, it's a little small thing, but it's, I found it very interesting for me. When, what was real patience? Because I got that, okay, if I'm being impatient, that's what's true. If I'm gonna be with what's true, with this patience, then okay, I'm gonna be patient with impatience. So then I, I tried it the other way. And it did not work the other way. <laughs> it felt fa false. It felt like there was no, there was no ground that was going to actually give me buoyancy in this way. Determination or this resolve without patience can easily work against itself. We try too hard. We get we get overly energetic or we get uh, grasping, or we, uh, we fall into judgment. And so uh, patience protects our determination from uh, lack of wisdom. It also helps us avoid draining our energy, which can easily happen. It also helps us uh, fall into wise timing, because often, oftentimes if there's just determination, we don't have a sense of how to pace ourselves through the sit. And we get more agitated, more worked up. And it, it, um, it also, that patience uh, helps meet that frustration that can lead to restlessness. It also, uh, because determination is uh, that kind of resolve that, and we could say, 
spiritual warrior quality, if we, if we feel comfortable with that, not, a, not an external war, but a spiritual warrior, this determination, this I'm willing to stay here with this kind of feeling, it can, um, it, it can have a kind of violence to self to it in our practice. And that violence to self may be in terms of the words we use internally, in terms of our, our views and opinions about ourselves, our judging and our comparison, or our demand that it be otherwise, our demand to fix ourselves. Or it could just be energetically how we're treating our body or our nervous system. We can be determined, but our, our nervous system's so tight. <sighs> You know, and so this uh, this this patience can help with that. It also helps us keep our balance in general. So there's many great things about the way patience supports this determination. But likewise, determination supports patience, because without a, a, an energetic quality of of persistence, of determination, of resolve, we never get there. We just never get there. It's too hard. We have to start over too many times. It's too unpleasant. We won't get there without this clear resolve. So it's that balance of the two. So here we can be very patient, but then we're just being patient. But determination says, no, this isn't enough. Time to step up here. And so finding the balance of those two. It avoids being long-suffering, you know, just, oh, I'm patient. It's just, it also helps with, uh, with uh, uh, stopping a rationalization in our practice. Uh, and one of the ways is where we don't practice because we think we are not practicing. Uh, this determination says, I am not going to listen to this inner critic as best I am able. Over and over again, I'll just move away from it. Uh, I will move away from this demand. I'll move away from this planning. All of these things that patience by itself can stay with in an out-of-balance way. In fact, uh, uh, too much patience can, we can develop into a kind of passivity in our practice. And one form that can take is a kind of spaciness, but where it's like, there's not really that, that edge. There's a certain, at times, a certain friction when we're patients, because we're bringing our attention to something, and that takes an effort, and any kind of movement like that creates a kind of friction. So there's a certain degree of, you know, yeah, I can, I can feel my, my invitation of the mind to move. I can, I can, uh, I can uh, uh, open to this idea of this, I'm wanting to reflect on this idea of, of dispassion, and so we really reflect on it because we want to understand it better. So you're sitting there, you've heard the talk, and you say, I want to understand this better. And you're deliberately reflecting in your practice, but then you stay with it. Don't get off and six other things. There's that determination to stay with. So each needs the other for development. There's a New Yorker cartoon uh, that from many, many years ago where there's a chicken and an egg, and they've been arguing about which came first. And finally, one of them says, what does it matter? We're both here now. And it's the same way. It's the same way with patience and persistence. We each have some amount of patience and some amount of persistence. And each need to be developed. So we, if I had more patience, I could de develop more determination. Or if I had more determination, I could develop more patience. Are uh, not fruitful considerations.
so as I said before, patience accepts what is and responds with this kind of tenderness, this softening into, this ability to tolerate what is. Persistence keeps returning to the goal. It has this uh, reflection of intention in it. Intention as uh, reflected in the Eightfold Path, the Sama Sankapa, this wise intention of the Eightfold Path. And it is the intention in uh, our moment-to-moment experiences, these five aggregate moments, it's intention, this, this, uh, the, the intention that's part of mental impression that creates karma. It's our intention in this moment that, that, that creates that seed that we're talking about. I want to make a little paren here about the importance between the intention of the Buddha as an intention based on values versus the idea of what is often goals uh, where people say, well, what I, what I intended is X, but that means that was their goal. And, and the East Bay Meditation Center, they have this wonderful list of, of unskillful things, and one of them is that, that uh, pay attention to impact, not just intention. And it's so important that in our daily life, that what we may think is, is intention, it's really our goal. Well, we wanted to communicate this, or we wanted to achieve this. That was a goal, not the intention of the Buddha Dhamma. That is, in this moment, the values that we wish to meet this moment with. What values? What, is, what really matters? The Buddha in the Eightfold Path and the wise intention refers to loving kindness, refers to, uh, to uh, non-harming, and refers to renunciation. So these, these kind of core intentions, moment to moment. A few years ago when I was um, in Thailand to visit with the Venerable Sumedho, I also visited with a number of other uh, uh, of, of, of the, of the uh, Ajans, and um, I asked each of them about intention and what is wise intention. And I would ask each of them three times, is this approach that I'm teaching about intention, is this correct? And one of them said, you've already asked me this twice, why are you asking me this again? And Because they each were saying, yes, intention is this moment towards this kind of understanding. Because there are other views, and I want to mention there are other views. But this is how I understand it, and how it plays into this, this. So intention, the intention that we meet the moment. We have a goal of being with our breath. But our intention is to, to be kind, possibly, or, or to, be, uh, to, uh, uh, to have a, a kind of uh, uh, compassion for ourselves as we're struggling meeting with the breath. We're developing these core relationships to meeting the moment. And then patience uh, really helps serve that in that way. There is um, a lot of uh, language uh, in the teachings that can evoke a feeling of fierce determination. And there's times in practice when fierce determination uh, can be useful. I think of the Buddha and his Night of Enlightenment. Uh, He had spent years being patient 
and starting over. He had two teachers that were the they uh, considered the utmost teachers of his time, both of whom he learned much from, particularly in relation to concentration and so forth. But he was willing to start over with whole other teachers. And in each instance they said, you've understood what I'm teaching, will you, will you teach with me? And he said no. He, was, he, was, he, was, he had the patience to know, I've, I've got to keep going, and then the determination to do so. He could take the feeling of this isn't what I'm looking for. He had the patience to absorb that, not to give up, and this determination to keep going. It's a beautiful thing of that. And then on the night of his, of his enlightenment, he took a resolve that he would stay there. He would not move until this awakening came. And sometimes fierce determination can jump to six years into the Buddha's uh, very strong practice and say, okay, I should be able to just sit right here right now and something happen, and this kind of fierce resolve. And sometimes a, a bit of that, I'm not going to move for a while. Okay, I won't move until, you know, for 10 minutes, or I'm going to count my breaths and I'm determined to stay with the breath. Or Some degree of fierce determination is useful, but not so much. We're not going to do in, uh, in, in a, a retreat, you know, that we've done a retreat once a year for five years or something, to think that we're going to be able to do what the Buddha did on his Night of Enlightenment. I would think it's not so likely. Maybe it is for you, but not for me. So, um, this fierce determination, uh, uh, determination's important, but when to turn it up and how far, there's a balance how far to, term, to turn it up. And certainly it's true in daily life practice. You know. So uh, I, I've, in my ex- life experience, including the Dharma practice, fierce determination can win a battle or a sports match or a chess match or something like this. But patience and persistence combined wins wars, championships, and hearts. So I trust patience and persistence, patience and determination, not this fierceness in that way. You may have a different view and your experience may have led you to that view. The trouble with the fierceness of practice is that it does burn out, that it, it, uh, it, it so often doesn't have a rhythm it can't pace itself because it's so fierce, it's ever-burning, that it's just not sustainable. And it can be so rigid and inflexible. We have an idea as to what my practice is supposed to be like, and I'm going to do my idea, I'm going to insist on it no matter what. I'm determined, you know. The way my mind is, it's not right, and it's got to be other. There's a lot of determination in that, but I'm not sure how much wisdom and how much of the Brahma Viharas, how much patience, and so forth. There's a series of uh, things that uh, um, that we can often mistake in ourselves or another. So, we can, we can sometimes uh, have a demanding impatience but we think that's determination. But really, we're so impatient and we're demanding from our impatience. So just notice that. Also notice it in others. You may, in fact, have, you may have a boss that you work for that really 
acts like they have this great determination, but what they really have is a demanding impatience, which often comes from some sort of insecurity or uh, uh, some sort of uh, uncertainty. Likewise, uh, uh, we can rationalize our lack of courageous persistence, being willing to start over under the difficult conditions that we're sitting under, as being patient with ourselves. But um, we, where in fact, oh, we ask ourselves: so is is the is the balance of patience and persistence right here? And then we may discover: oh no, I was, I really was sort of feeling defeated, and I was letting my defeat determine, and I wasn't recognizing the defeat. Oh. So I have to practice. The defeated one now has to practice. That's a good person to practice. Much good karma from the defeated one practicing many good seeds. When we... uh, work with patience and, and persistence. As you saw in the list of the paramis, uh, if we just start over, over and over again, if we're willing to be with whatever conditions, our mind stops being so busy measuring ourselves. And therefore, what's present right now starts to matter less. It starts to matter less whether it's pleasant or unpleasant, and it starts to matter less even if it's pleasant as, as a thing in itself. We are, we, it's certainly more pleasant to have pleasant, but it's just more pleasant. It's not anything extra. In our, our, the way that we're enculturated, uh, for good reasons in terms of biological survival, we are, we we have, uh, you know, we're we're looking for things that will be pleasant, and uh, a lot of from taste, because taste can be a way to help us understand how to survive when we don't know what we're eating, and all these different reasons that we can we can really there's a wisdom in pleasant and unpleasant, but it's a limited wisdom, and in practice, uh, far more limited. So this this we are we develop a kind of. Um, uh, orientation towards being with what is. And over time, that bringing back patience and persistence over and over again, there starts to blossom as a developmental quality, equanimity. Not, not, in, the, uh, not in this way that the flow of the liberative dependent arising is being taught, where it's flowing naturally because that one thing is leading to another in, in, in a very natural way. That's true too. But this is looking at it developmentally. We, we, we know that there is, there is a quality here, that an admirable quality of equanimity. And so how do we develop equanimity? Wise patience and wise determination will lead us to do this. Without the wisdom, the patience lacks clarity. Without the wisdom, Determination lacks clarity. It doesn't. It's 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 hard to appraise without wisdom. How do we become wise? 
by acting unwise. We learn from our mistakes and by acting wise. We learn from when we did it with skillfully. Go, oh, that's skillful. That's skillful. Without any view or opinion about how we're doing, we learn there's discernment. Wisdom comes from discernment. Mindfulness empowers discernment. But discernment is not for the purpose of judging as good or bad, uh, or, or better than or worse than. Dis discernment that leads us, is this is skillful or unskillful? This is wholesome or unwholesome? Not making a self that's better than, worse than, or even the same as the Buddha tells us. Not even to think same as. And likewise, not, oh, I'm a good meditator or a bad meditator. But discernment, oh, that's wholesome, unwholesome, that's skillful, unskillful. This, this holds this, uh, and the, the, the more equanimity we have, the more we're able to develop these paramis of patience and persistence and of determination. And the more patience and determination we have, the more it's developed, the more equanimity comes. So they support one another in this beautiful, beautiful way, all imbued with wisdom. And they allow for the development of wisdom. This is what's so beautiful about the structure of the Dhamma. Any little piece of it, it's like holographic, and you take this one little piece and suddenly you've got all of the Dhamma. It's so uh, structurally integrated, so supportive. When we When we look at this um, um, commitment to intention, and we look at it in terms of the contrast with just mind moments, it was uh, said earlier in the retreat that, uh, that intentions are happening all the time and we don't notice them. We don't notice them forming, so but but any act or uh, or speech is comes from uh, an intention. I want to make a bracket around thought. Thoughts a whole thoughts more confusing, and we want to be careful that because we're not responsible for our thoughts, we're responsible for how we relate to our thoughts. Thoughts because there's so many karmic conditions, so many seeds have determined thoughts. We want to not be, we, we, we want to have discernment as to what's wise thought and unwise thought, but uh, not, not trying to judge ourselves. oh, I must be a terrible person because I have these thoughts or that thought. I do not find that helpful. I've never found that helpful with a single uh, a person, including myself, in all of these decades of practice. But turning to speech, and to, uh, to action, in, in my own practice, I, and I have studied this a lot on retreat and also in other uh, modes of learning, there are in fact impulses and there are intentions. There are so many impulses can arise in a moment and the conditions are right, one of those impulses gets turned into an intention. 
A moment later, a little thing different in the whole environment and the whole thought train all the way back, a different intention would maybe come up. So the moment-to-moment intention is uh, coming from a whole sea, you know, the, those waves that, that, that if, if, this, if consciousness is this ocean and the, 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 the thoughts are like wind and the conditions are like wind that stir up and some become waves. So many different things determine that. The more we are uh, clear on how we're to meet this intention, the more we are wise in our seed planting. So maybe we have a pattern that uh, having angry thoughts. Maybe at one point in a person's life, angry thoughts led not just to angry words, but to angry action. You slap the kid. And so for that purpose, you receive this pattern and you bring your intention. And the first thing, that same angry thought comes up that would lead to the action and you stop the action. You don't, you don't strike. That is, that is a seed moment right there. That is the seed. Karma is action. The seed, right there, the seed that's planted is one of restraint, one of renunciation. You didn't strike. So another person, they, have, they, have, they speak out. They get angry, they get hurt, they get insecure. They speak out with anger. And they realize in this moment, oh, I, I, I feel this anger. And you know from having observed over and over again, you're going to say something coming out of your anger or your insecurity or your, uh, your uncertainty. And you recognize that in that moment and in, you just have the thought, but you don't make the speech. That turning right there is such, such powerful seed. So it's not, so as we understand, as we understand intention, it doesn't just change the future moments because in those future moments, then we're going to, the more moments we've interrupted a pattern that's destructive, the less likely it's going to come again and, and with less intensity and less duration because our, the, the, this karmic seed's changing this. At least this is my experience. But also, the very moment that something is occurring in the mind because of past karma seeds that have been planted, that very moment, that very, very moment, there's a, a varying degrees of liberation. The thought comes, but the words don't follow, including internal words, harshness towards yourself. You stop it. You just stop it. You're not sure why you stopped it, but you do know the wisdom. You have reflected enough. You know the wisdom. You've had the patience to work with this enough. You've persisted. You, 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 many times with that internal speech, afterwards you realize, oh, that's not, that is not wise speech internally. And you say, you have this determination. You knew right then, I wish in the future to not do this. I am bringing my determination to not doing this in the future. And then another 40 times. You do it. But then that 41st time, it's different. Sharon Salzberg tells this wonderful story about having this whole practice around loving kindness towards herself. And she was being critical the whole time. And then she gets word that a friend of hers has been hurt. And she has to go to the hospital or 
go somewhere. And as she's trying to get ready to go, she knocks something over and breaks it. And she says to herself, Sharon, what a clutch you are, and I love you. That was karmic seeds. Those karmic seeds had been planted uh, over and over, and they blossomed in that very moment. So the, that first part of the speech came out, but then it was, it was mitigated, it was enclosed in a larger feeling. Do you follow that? So this is, uh, the, the Buddha described karma as one of, the, um, one of the imponderables because it's so complex. But this pieces of it we can see for ourselves. And so we, we start to lead not just a mindful life, but an intentionally mindful life, or a life of mindful intention. Moment to moment, whatever my goals are, whether I'm sitting, whether I'm doing my yogi job, whether I'm at home, whether I'm, I'm uh, at work, I wish to have a mindfully intentioned life. That I'm mindful of what? Of my intention, at least for me, to not cause harm, to meet this moment with kindness, and to have the renunciation that empowers all of that. Whatever my goals are in that moment, I'm in lots of meetings, I have to participate in lots of decisions, I'm in the midst of a lot of different situations where um, there's uh, uh, different perspectives involved. I, and uh, I am always practicing this, practicing this as best I can in those situations. I, in all of those leadership roles I play, my values don't change. Sometimes I'm trying to get something resolved. Sometimes I'm trying to patch something up. But my values, my core moment-to-moment values, are not contingent on what my goals are. Hope that this can be understood. It's a, it's an interesting reflection. May not work for you, as with everything, you would drop it. So with this intention, this mindful intention, and understanding that oh, this is the way. This is the way I get to have some degree of choice in my life. I start to be able to co-create in a very modest way the unfolding in my life, that there's some little element of freedom here. That, there, that then, then uh, we're, we have more patience, we have more determination. Our, our equanimity grows because, whoa, this is really worthy. This is, this is as, the, as Thich Nhat Hanh so beautifully said, this is a better way to live. And so we're, we're, we're inspired, we, and it's, it's all reinforcing. And I would end with um, um, uh, this uh, 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 piece from, uh, from Shodo Harada Roshi. And um, he says his following, in the presence of Sangha, in the light of the Dhamma, in oneness with Buddha, May my path to complete enlightenment benefit everyone. In this passing moment, karma ripens and all things come to be. I vow to choose what is. If there is a cost, I choose to pay. If there is need, I choose to give. If there is pain, I choose to to feel. If there is sorrow, I choose to grieve. When burning, I choose heat. When calm, I choose peace.
When starving, I choose hunger. When happy, I choose joy. Whom I encounter, I choose to meet. What I shoulder, I choose to bear. When it is my death, I choose to die. When this takes me, where this takes me, where this takes me, I choose to go. Being with what is, I respond to what is. This intention to meet the moment, to stay present in the moment long enough to be able to respond to it rather than to react to it, to bring our intentional relationship to it. That is choice. That is choice. It gives us choice. Patience and this determination allows that coming about, as does the equanimity. They all fit together as the Dhamma always does. If we can sit for a moment, please. In this passing moment, karma ripens and all things come to be. Where this takes me, I choose to go. Being with what is, I respond to what is. kind attention. Time for walking. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.